Hey friends, Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by my friends over at Kent Cartridge. Uh, I've got a man, I've got a lot of history with this brand, going back to my college days when I was waiting tables just to fund my duck hunting addiction. That's when I first discovered Kent, and uh, I'd mess around with other brands, cheaper brands, and literally watch the pellets bounce off of greenheads. Uh, I found Kent, and I fell in love. And nothing's changed over the last 20 years except for, well, I'd say Fast Steel 2.0 is even better than the original. And Kent offers a premium shell at a sub-premium price. Check it out. It's Fast Steel 2.0. You can find it at your local retailer. Howdy, everybody. This week's podcast also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Born in war, Spartan Forge was conceived while targeting terrorists Think about that. Targeting bad guys during deployments in support of the global war on terror. We can also use this technology because of its similarities to track mature bucks. Now it's time to get this analysis into your hands. It's military-based intelligence, next-generation mapping. I absolutely love it. And I love the people behind Spartan Forge. They're like me. Second Amendment till the day we die. No exceptions. America first. Spartan Forge. Check it out by downloading the app today. All right, Cable Smith welcoming everybody into episode 662 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. That's the latest from Rob Baird, Want you. Thank you so much for being here today. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be here talking all things hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies. Uh, so, appreciate you dropping by. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling refreshed, reinvigorated, full of piss and vinegar because... Duck season is over, which means sleep. Yeah, actually catch a little shut eye. There's uh especially after deer season ended, it was like the the walking wounded, red-eyed and weary over here. Just uh, you know how it is. The the 4-hour naps you take from about 11 till 3 a.m. Mhm. Yeah. And uh and as a younger man when it was all public land for me, Many of those nights were just spent sleeping right there in a sleeping bag at the spot that we wanted to hunt, just to save the spot. Um, I'm not going to confirm or deny whether park rangers would come up and say, hey, you can't spend the night here. And we'd be like, well, we're not spending the night. We're claiming our spot. And then he looked kind of befuddled and didn't really have a good answer. This happened multiple times on North Texas lakes. And so he was like, well, okay, but you can't have beer here. And we're like, okay, well, you got us there. So we'd put the beer away, maybe even put the fire out if he uh, asked us to. And, and then he'd leave and, well, there would be the beer <laughs> and usually the fire. He never came back. Uh, but, yeah, it was a little game of cat and mouse and uh, certainly long, long nights uh, void of sleep. Those are the good old days, though. Um, 
I still buy the annual public hunting permit from uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife every year, and and I do get out and hunt the old stopping grounds a couple times. But you know, once you have kids, uh, things change a little bit. I want to take the kids, and they're not getting up to go on a public land death march at two a.m. They're just not. And I would, you know, why? Because I want them to enjoy the experience, and that sucks. Even as a 22, 23-year-old man, like, that's a beating. And even if you have a boat, the race to the boat ramp, that's a beating. Is it worth it when it when it works out? Absolutely. It's kind of like packing out an elk. It's the physical and mental hell you put yourself through. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at a strap of mallards, eh, yeah, it was worth it. Uh, but kudos to all of you who still fight the public land battle religiously. I thought I had some sleep to catch up on. That's a whole nother level there. One that uh, I fully embraced in my 20s and early 30s. But, uh, you know, kids are great. They, they kind of help you put priorities into place. And mine now are what's easily accessible and has a few ducks on it. Uh, but this past weekend was awesome. Uh, the dog and I, little JoJo, we did a solo hunt on Friday thanks to a good friend who saw my post on social media, and she literally handed me a key to her property and said, there's ducks on the tank, uh, have at it. Wow. Like, no strings attached. Just, uh, they don't duck hunt, they deer hunt. They're like, I don't, we don't care about these ducks. They're all yours. So we shot a limit of teal and shovelers and uh, yeah, a couple of ringnecks in there as well. And then uh, Saturday, went out with my good friend Bo over at Outlaw Outfitters, and JoJo got to pick up over 20 ducks uh, from that party as there was, I think, four or five other hunters in the blind that day. Uh, but it was a really great end to another awesome waterfowl season. So hope yours was was a great year. Um, mine was uh, mine was hit or miss, but we, we went out on a high. Uh, okay, what are we doing today? Let me tell you all about it. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee, black rifle, if you know what's good for you out of uh, granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos, the one with mud caked on it from duck seasons that have long come and gone because we're ready to rock and roll. And joining us off the top will be Logan Hedges of Huntin' Fool. He'll be checking in from the Cowboy State all the way up in Wyoming. And while I may not uh, do the public land death march for ducks like I used to, I absolutely unequivocally am chasing something on public land in the backcountry out west every fall. And so Wyoming is a state that I just hunted in September, uh, but much like many other western states, they're implementing changes in the way they conduct their draws and preference point systems, and it may not be to the benefit of the non-resident hunter. So yes, this is related to Wyoming today, um, but it kind of parallels across the board for many of these states. How do they try to make up for lost revenue? When you start allocating more tags for residents, well, uh, that's great, but it's the non-residents who carry the lunch pail financially for all of these state wildlife systems. They do the heavy lifting. We do. I do. You know, I'm a non-resident. I'm hunting in, whether it's Colorado or New Mexico or Wyoming or Montana, I mean, you name it, uh, Kansas this year. It's our licenses that we purchase as non-residents that funds the uh, lion's share of their annual revenue. So when you start sticking it to us as non-residents, well, uh, that might not be a good thing for you or us. It might be a lose-lose. So is there a political reason for this to happen? Is it is it warranted? What are Logan's thoughts on 
why Wyoming Game and Fish is going this direction, as uh, are some other Western states. So we'll pick Logan's brain on that situation. And then uh, he also guided for over two decades for elk and uh, sheep, mountain goat. I mean, you name it. And he's seen his clients do some pretty stupid things. We'll, we'll see if he wants to share any of that uh, because those kind of stories always make for a good laugh and possibly a lesson learned. So uh, interesting stuff coming up with Logan and then maybe a couple quick hits from around the outdoor community coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour. So that's what's on the docket for today. Let's do a quick giveaway. Up for grabs is a Havilon Peranta skinning knife. All you need to do in order to throw your hat in the ring is just uh, email the word conservation. That's conservation to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. And you are entered into today's Havilon giveaway. Let's knock out that break. Up next, Hunting Fools Logan Hedges joins us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors. If you're looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW, then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. Treat her nice and kind. If you do her wrong, she'll leave this town. There's some classic Hank Williams, Moanin' the Blues, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg. Cable Smith, riding shotgun. Thank you so much for being here today as we're about to head up to Wyoming. Talk a little Western big game hunting applications and uh, why these Western states continue to jack the price up on non-residents who <laughs> are responsible for the majority of their revenue. And we'll do that with Hunting Fools, Logan Hedges. But first, the segment brought to you by SCI. The big event is taking place this month, February 22nd through the 25th in Nashville, Tennessee. It's SCI's annual convention. This year, it is celebrating women in hunting. I'll be there all four days. It truly is the best hunting show on the planet, and and speaking of the planet, the entire global hunting community will converge in Nashville for the big event. For more info, just head over to safariclub.org. And with that being said, uh, let's bring him on right now. Joining us from somewhere in Wyoming, it is my pleasure to welcome Logan Hedges to the show. Hey, good to be here. So, Looking forward to it. So, uh, 
we were talking off the air here. The uh, it, it got cold here yesterday. It's like twenty seven degrees. You're like you're like at negative twenty something. <laughs> yeah, we're negative twenty one here this morning. So, but but the sun's out and it's warming up slowly. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, what part of Wyoming are you in? I'm in um, western Wyoming, kind of southwestern Wyoming. But um, our little valley here is called Star Valley. We're um, just about sixty miles south of Jackson Hole. Okay. And so, yeah. have have you been? Are you a lifelong Wyoming resident? I am. I was born and raised in this country here in Western Wyoming. Okay. And so tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. Well, I've done a lot of things for a living over the Mm -hmm. years. Um, I was a a guide and did some outfitting for a long time up here in Wyoming. Um, I currently work for Hunt and Fool out of Cedar City. I've been with Hunt and Fool almost nine years now. I've got a small ranch up here with my my wife and my two boys, and yeah, we love this country. It's um it tests you a little bit mm-hmm. this time of year, but you know, spring, summer, and fall is awesome. A lot of opportunities here in Wyoming. So, do you still guide? Not very often, a little bit, um, but but pretty minor. Hunt with family and friends now. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of retired from that. Got a got a few outfitter buddies that always try to get me wrapped back in, but. You know, I, I don't do too much of that. I like to go and just enjoy it more. So what do you do for, for hunting fool? Well, I do a lot of things for them. I'm a, I'm a hunting consultant with them, a professional hunt advisor, I guess the technical term. Um, I deal with landowner tags. I've been dealing with landowner tags for hunting fool for a long time. Um, I kind of got that gig to start with because I've been buying landowner tags for myself and my friends for, for a long time before that even kind of knew the system. And yeah, so it's, it's pretty good. I'm kind of a specialist up here in Wyoming and, you know, Eastern Idaho. I've hunted Colorado since, gosh, for over 25 years now. Um, mm-hmm. Love that country because it's because it's a lot like home, Western Colorado is. So, right. Yeah. So what is your what is your favorite thing to hunt then? Oh, mule deer by far. Yeah, I hunt. I love to hunt mule deer. I mean, I, I love just to be out there hunting and stuff, but mule deer by far my my biggest passion. So I just got back from a mule deer hunt and actually uh, Braxton uh, Byers went to oh. the same place I went and, uh, but I went to Sonora. So, you know, you, and, and I put it this way, it's, it's a land of riches. Like they've got so many mule deer, big mule deer, uh, but you, you don't, it's not the Western thing. You don't have to be in great shape. If you don't, if you're, if you're older, you can ride around in a high rack. It's less physical, less mint, certainly less mentally taxing than a true backcountry hunt. Um, so that was a, a, a surreal experience as someone who's spent time in the mountains and I, and I have taken one public land mule deer buck in New Mexico on a DIY, uh, muzzleloader hunt, but that was hard, man, Mexico, not, not hard, you know? Yeah. And so it just depends on if you want to get the checkbook out. Um, but I do love mule deer. That, that was the first time I actually killed a big one, but I've, I've okay. spent weeks chasing the gray ghost and. It seems like the time I see the big ones are when I'm archery elk hunting with no mule deer tag. Oh, hey man! So that's that's all of us. That's when we see them. But no, there's you know there's still a lot of opportunities to hunt mule deer. Um, Mexico being one of them. I've been hunting Mexico for a long time, and I love it down there because there's a chance to kill really big deer. Mm-hmm. And anymore, I like to go any place that I believe there's big deer, and and Mexico is definitely one of them. Um, I did I did not go this year, first year in a while that I haven't been down to Mexico. Um, my youngest kids playing, playing high school basketball. So I kind of had to make that choice and yeah. I'm not going to miss those games for right now. So I'll be back yeah. to Mexico before long. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So what was the uh, highlight of your season? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you know, one of the highlights is always just spending time with my boys on the mountain. I'm pretty fortunate. I've got two boys that, that love to hunt. They share that passion with me. Um, you know, just spending time with them out on the mountain is is probably the highlight. Um, you know, they they killed. It wasn't this year, but last year they wanted to do it without dad, and and they spent some time on the mountain and they killed they killed a 340 bull elk with their bows together. Um, wow that that was pretty that was pretty cool i was actually scouting mule deer on the wyoming side and they were in idaho when they did that and i got that phone call on the mountain and i was up there all by myself but i was pretty pretty excited i only had my horses to share that with but yeah see them a few days later so That's yeah awesome. something like that's pretty cool so yeah, yeah. um I, I had a great season but the highlight for me was my son shooting an eight point he's 10 yeah so uh, he got a nice white tail though and all the other stuff, like even the big mule deer I shot in Mexico. Nah, if you, if I could just pick one, it would be sharing that experience with him. You, you know. bet. You bet. And, and people change that way. I mean, there was a time, man, I was hardcore. It didn't mm -hmm. matter where he was. I was going and I was by myself and, and, and there's, there's a time for that. And, but you know, I've kind of graduated from that and, and I'm kind of where I, I enjoy watching people, other people, you know, be successful more than myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I don't think that you realize that is it happens until you have a kid. Like, yeah, yep, yeah, that uh, makes that's that's a big change there for sure. Yeah, so. yeah. I used to want to pull the trigger every time. Now yeah, I, think, <laughs> I would, I will happily let my son do it instead of me. And, yeah, uh, and feel great about it. Um, so going back to your guiding days, what was the sketchiest situation you found yourself in while guiding hunters? Oh, that's a good one. Um. You know, I guided in Area 60 in Wyoming, right on the southeast corner of Yellowstone Park, mm -hmm. um, up there by Hawks Rest, the thoroughfare country, for several years. And so we had a lot of good grizzly bear encounters up there. I mean, if you if you harvested an elk and you didn't get him out that day, you had a bear to deal with the next day. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I've I've been charged a few times. Um, we we killed a killed a bull one night. Um, Tom Chambers was with me, the, the basketball player for the Utah Jazz and oh wow, and yeah, Phoenix Suns. I, I guided Tom several times. Good friend of mine, great guy. Um, he was with me. Him and him and Paul Avery, Paul Avery, who was the CEO of Outback Steakhouse at the time. And Paul killed a bull, and and we went back to get him the next day. And there was three bears on that bull elk, and they ate the entire bull during during the night. There was nothing left of him. <laughs> <laughs> And I had my dog with me and my dog was after him a little bit and they were circling us and I keep, I made everybody else stay on their horses and, and I just jumped off and there was nothing left of him. Took a couple of pictures quick and, and grabbed the antlers and just jumped back on. And, and it was a big old, about a 360 bull. And I just held on to him on my saddle horse. And I'm like, we, we can, we need to get out of here boys. So yeah. yeah Cause it's one thing if it's just you and you're dealing with them, but when you have other people to kind of take care of, you know, you, there's a responsibility there and you want to be careful. So, yeah. 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 So the next question is, and since you don't guide anymore, you don't, you, you, I wouldn't feel as bad about you throwing people under the bus, but uh, what's the dumbest thing you've had a, a hunter do? And uh, it could be uh, the physical shape they showed up in thinking they were going to go kill something in the back country or just like, wow, I can't believe you really just did that. You put all of us at risk, whatever the case, uh, Oh man, that's a really good one. There's been the physical deal's a big one, you know, and the mental probably more than anything. I had some guys that 
that I've guided over the years that physically were not in that great of shape, but they were tough. They mm-hmm. were tough mentally and they would, you know, they'd grind it out. Even if they needed to take a day off they'd be back after it. Um, you know, the, probably the dumbest that I ever had, I had a guy dis, discharge his rifle behind us. He was screwing around with it as we were walking, kind of walking. We were actually right on the park line one day and we were walking along and, you know, of course nobody was supposed to have their gun loaded and he was screwing around with it. And, and I was probably 20 years old at the time. And man, he touched it off to the side of us there, right, right before daylight that morning and, and messing with that gun. And man, boy, that was, that educated me pretty quick. I grew up pretty fast then that to keep a really close eye on all those guys. Um, my dad had always told me that, you know, to pay attention to your hunters and, and what they're doing. And, you know, when you're young and full of piss and vinegar, you kind of forget that stuff. And boy, that, that woke me up. And, and I, I figured out pretty quick that I double and triple check with everybody what they're doing with their rifles after that, because that could have killed me or, or the other guy with me real quick. Yeah. You know? Well, and you, you might've seen the dude, the, the hunter in Kansas last week that, uh, his dog shot him. He was in the truck, I heard his rifle that. loaded Yeah, and it's a terrible story. Right. But the dog stepped on the, somehow the dog fired the gun, but you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like it. My, my dear Lisa, Texas, I don't ride around with a loaded gun. Um, yep. it's legal here. I know some States like Colorado, uh, yep. I've did, I've done plenty of hunts there. And my guy was like, make sure you're, we were mountain lion hunting. He's like, Make sure that gun is unloaded. It's illegal to drive around with it loaded here. Okay, well, it's all federal land. Makes sense. When you're riding around your private deer lease, it's a shoot on sight. Hogs and coyotes all the time. You and so you're always loaded, but the, the barrel is pointed at the floorboard. The bolt is always open, yeah. you know? Uh, and even like my you know, PHs in Africa, you're not stalking game with an unloaded rifle. You're just not no. doing it. The, the rifle is loaded. Let's be realistic. But there's an easy way. You just flip the bolt up, you know, if you're walking you around. Um, not open, just up, and then the gun's not going to go off. But yep. you, you hear about those things, and I think it's always a sobering reminder for all of us. Like, hey, don't be, don't get complacent. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I remind my boys of that all the time. You know, they're they're at the age where they're out doing their own thing. They're hunting bears all spring by themselves, and in this country, and and it's um, man, I think they get tired of of hearing it. But man, every time they go to leave the house, I remind them of it. You know, number one thing: be safe. And pay attention to what you're doing and and that. So yeah, because it can happen in the blink of an eye. And when it does, man, it's it's you can't take that back. You're never yeah. getting that bullet back. So no. Uh so what is your typical protection against grizzlies if you're on a backcountry hunt? Ah, uh, common sense, you know, number one, you know, pay attention, um, be aware of your surroundings, and you know, it's just anything can happen anytime up there because the bears are really bad now when i was guiding in that country they were bad and they're, they're really bad now we get back up in there every once in a while and and it's um yeah numbers numbers are really high and um it's why a lot of people won't go and hunt up there um mm-hmm. so but you know have have a good weapon know how to use it you know pepper spray is always nice to have um i've used it once or twice pepper spray just as a deterrent you know never in a real critical situation you know bears it's just wouldn't leave us alone type of a deal kept circling things like that um but yeah just just common sense pay attention what you're doing um you know i'd i'd say i wouldn't say never but 98 percent of the time any bear encounters that i had grizzly encounters were because we had a you know a a dead animal on the ground Mm -hmm. and they wanted it so that's when things really start to get sketchy 
Yeah. 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 Um, I had a, uh, I was actually black bear hunting in Alberta one time and my guide, young kid, I don't even think he could legally drink. I think he was buying the beer or drinking some of the beer that we bought. I didn't say that on the radio, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. anyway, um, he, uh, his best friend was guiding in the Yukon and the, the hunter, they were moose hunting. They woke up one morning and literally there was a moose like within rifle shot, just right there in camp. He wakes the guy up. He's like, Hey, you know, I guess he'd gone out to start the coffee pot or whatever. Like literally there's a moose and he wakes him up. They shoot the moose and it's like 300 yards from camp. So they're, they're starting to ferry the meat back. And all of a sudden, uh, there's a bear there and, the hunter doesn't, you know, he's carrying meat. He doesn't have his gun right there with him. Yeah. And the bear uh, knocks the guy off of this ledge and he he breaks his leg or his ankle and he's screaming. And so then the guy starts yelling to get the bear's attention on him. And uh, and the bear starts coming at them and he's like, Wait, I don't have a gun or anything. So he shuts up. Well, the other guy's screaming. So the bear goes down there just with his paws, cuts his jugular, kills him instantly. And then the, uh, the guide had to spend, he couldn't get any comms out. And he spent three days just trying to keep ravens and stuff off the guy's body until they finally figured out something had gone wrong. And it was, you know, it was because they had that killed that moose. Yep. That bear it. was interested. And yep. uh, I, the guy, the guy never guided again after that. Kind yeah. of ruined, yep. ruined I bet it, that probably, probably cured you of it. You know? yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you hear about that kind of stuff. And in and, and Wyoming, it, it's, is a, outsider looking in it's infuriating but i you know i do pay attention to these issues across the country we had a we had a grizzly season that was supposed to happen yeah it already drawn tags i actually i interviewed one of the guys who drawn the tag but he was he was the anti-hunting photographer guy who put in yeah and purposely you know he ended up drawing which was unfortunate but he was like well i'm just gonna burn the tag obviously because i love these bears and well then people of that mindset ruined it for everyone and it you know it went to a judge and he tossed it out and that was what five years ago maybe yeah at least yeah it been been a while because we were going to take free hunts you know we were just going to guide guys for free and just uh -huh. to go be part of it and 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 maybe get get that process started you know if you if you think it's right or you think it's wrong um we need to manage you know everything everything needs to be managed this, yep. this and and then i love them bears i'll be honest with you i've hunted black bears since i was nine years old with with my dad and, and friends of my dad and and that and 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 love it. back when the black bear hunting wasn't near as good as it is now in this country there wasn't that many and stuff and hardly anybody doing it and and i love bears I've, I've always had a really close connection with them and and spent a lot of time with between blacks and grizzlies and and that but there's a there's a problem right now and it, and it needs to be addressed and and whether you're for hunting or not it's you know, we, we need to kind of manage and control things because it's going to be for the best of the best of them too, not just not just everything else around them. But you know, there's you know, nobody ever wants to talk about it. But you get these big boars, they they're killing a lot of their own kind, them cubs and and you know, and sows. I mean, anything that's smaller, they're tough on it, and mm -hmm. and that, that's where a lot of the problems come in is because there's not enough food for everybody. And and if you're kind of that low man on the totem pole, and and I've had a lot of encounters with with young bears because they were basically starving. They were, they were hungry. They were run out of the better areas. And, and those, those are the bears that, you know, they don't care. Um, they're, they're hungry enough and I don't care who you are, human bear, whatever you get hungry enough, you're going to do some, do whatever it takes to get food. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
no doubt about that. I think people also don't realize how many, especially a mother with cubs, how many fawns or calves they kill. It's almost every day, literally, because people uh, and one of my friends did a study in New Mexico was on black bears. Literally every single day, they would they had a radio caller on the bear and they would just go to the kill site. You know, they were killed. It was I think it killed eighteen in twenty one days. Yeah. And those were elk fawns, but elk, mule deer, whatever they find, they're going to kill it. Yeah, these are smarter bears have figured that out. You know, whether blacks or grizzlies, they they hit these calving grounds, you know, these fawning grounds, things like that, especially elk, you know, because they're such a herd animal. You know, take take the Lamar Valley up in Yellowstone, for example. You know, know, there's not as many as there used to be, but when there was a lot there, them bears just, they just followed them around in the spring. You know, some of them cows start to have calves. Boy, here they come. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's a good easy meal right there. It's it's tender and easy to catch. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Let's take a a real quick break. We'll come back and I want to talk about uh, some of the proposed non-resident licensing uh, changes that's, that are coming up in Wyoming and and why they're uh, necessary. Sound good? Sound great. Perfect. And that segment was brought to you by Stealth Cam and the DS4K wireless trail camera, the highest quality imagery and videos that you're going to find anywhere. You can grab one at stealthcam.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. There's a party angel to my right. I my hand. Hey guys, Cable here for Armasite. If you're looking to light up the night, whether that's with thermal or night vision, then you need to head over to Armasite.com. That's where you can find all of the thermal and night vision monoculars, uh, thermal weapon sights, and of course, night vision nods. Yeah, those cool looking helmets, the one that I have. Yeah, buddy. You can find them over at Armasite.com. They've got it all right there. And even better than that, they've got some new stuff coming down the pike like the 640 contractor i've got the 320 640 even better you can find it all at armorsite.com i'm chris letzinger online sales manager at cinnamon creek ranch here reminding you we're not your typical archery club we're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges full pro shop and six different 3d courses cinnamon creek was designed by hunters for hunters Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Wow, we live in crazy times when it comes to censorship on social media. And if you're a gun owner and a hunter, and if you're proud of those things and you post about those things, then you're already on the blacklist. You're getting censored. You might not even know it. Take it from me. I had my Instagram page deleted for an entire month for no reason last year. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That kind of stuff doesn't happen over at Go Wild. It's a community of people who love to hunt, fish, and cook their wild game. They also love guns. If you want to be a part of that kind of place where you're not getting censored, where they actually promote posts with that kind of content, just go to download Go Wild. It's a free app. I absolutely love it. You'll see me there posting every day. So come on, join the conversation at Go Wild. But if you ain't all right, well just remember, I'm on your side.
Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms, Nathaniel Ratcliffe and the Night Sweats. I'm on your side. The name of that one. Thanks for being here today as we're still visiting with Hunting Fools Logan Hedges. Before we jump back into that conversation, this segment brought to you by my friends over at NUMA Outdoors, the best hunting apparel that I've ever worn. And let me tell you, I've, I've gone through quite a few brands over the years. Uh, I finally found a home, though, with NUMA. Here's the cool thing. Not only is their gear top-notch, it can compete with any of the other big three uh, direct-to-consumer companies, but they also offer a lifetime warranty. Things break. Say a, a zipper on your jacket comes off. They'll replace it. If they can't fix the zipper, they'll replace the jacket. And that's across the board with all of their gear. Uh, not just with zippers, with any cosmetic issue that you have. Hey, you put a hole in it, you tear it up, Yeah, they'll replace it. <laughs> Who does that? It's insane. Uh, but you can find all of their outdoor hunting apparel at numaoutdoors.com. And with that being said, uh, Logan Hedges, thanks for sticking around through the break, brother. Oh, you bet. So I hunted in Wyoming for the first time this past September. I had five points. A buddy and I, we, we each had five points. I think you needed, at the time, three and a half to guarantee that you were going to draw uh, between your application. So we knew we were getting drawn. One of the things that was deciding factor on where we chose to hunt, though, was grizzlies. And so we, and also, you know, you're driving from Texas. We It was 18 or 19 hours, whatever it was. It was a long drive. So we ended up hunting pretty close to the Colorado border. But there was a temptation if we didn't find elk, we could our, our tag would turn it. We could use it as a rifle tag up in a different farther north area of Wyoming. But there were grizzlies there, um, so we could have just started there with our bows. But we're like, ah, eh, let's at least try to stay out of grizzly country if possible. And we we got into elk uh, every day in, in the original area that we planned to go to, so it was a non non issue. Um, but. I think so five years of buying points. I don't remember how much those were. What, what does a point cost for a non-resident? 50. It's 50, 50 bucks. right now for now. Yep. So that's 250 bucks plus my tag, which was, it had to be over $700, I imagine. Uh, seven, 707 if you were in the regular. Yeah. So, so seven. So you're at almost $1,000 there just yeah. in one elk tag for me. Yeah. Uh, when was it that, they they did change from 75-25 to 90-10. Well, for the 90-10, the 75-25, Wyoming's got a complicated system. So uh -huh. the 90-10 the changes for the big five, what they consider the big five, which is moose, map, or mountain goat, bighorn sheep, bison, and grizzly. Okay. If they can get a hold of them again. Um, they got a plan for, for the grizzly, everything like that. Just, you know, it's down the road, hopefully. Yeah. So, so that, that has gone to 90, 10, that went to the legislature, the legislature in, um, last year. So it is, it is in effect for the draw for 2023. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so that, that does bring up the very real issue of people that have been buying points for 20 years for sheep, like, well, okay. Now they're looking at Wyoming. Like you just screwed me. Yep. Absolutely. And it's the way you should feel because sheep's a perfect example. We went from 45 non-resident sheep tags in 2022. There's going to be 18 this year in 2023. So that's, yeah. that's a cut. It's a 60% reduction in tags so for yeah. non-residents. So for a guy like me, that's 41, like why I think I have five points for sheep. Like why, why I should probably just quit wasting money on that. 
Yeah. So, you know, my advice to you would, would be, you know, probably yes, you know, mm. but you got to look, there's a silver lining out there for guys like you. And it's, it's not a bright silver lining, but it's a silver lining. Um, the weighted point system that Wyoming is going to go to for moose and sheep. Um, that is going to, well, it actually just passed the, the Senate and is in, introduced into the House right now with our legislative session going on. Um, and it's, I'm sure it's going to pass. I'm probably 90% certain that it'll pass the House and, and it's going to be, it's going to be a law. So what it'll do is, you know, take your five points and it probably won't, it's anywhere between 2025 and 2027 that it'll, that it'll go into effect and probably leaning towards 2027. It'll take your five points and you get a square them. And that's how many you get in the hat for the drawing. And it'll be a completely random draw is what it'll do. Instead of this preference point where the top guy's basically going to draw. if he puts Well, so that screws them even more. Yes, absolutely <laughs> it does. It's, um, but, you know, they're, they're trying to find a happy medium. And I'm not going to defend Wyoming at all. I've lived here my whole life. And in the last 20 years that I've really been involved in dealing with game and fish, we're some of us are not the best of friends. We we don't always see eye to eye, and and we we choose to disagree on a lot of subjects. Um, where where I kind of try to, you know, try to find a happy medium. They're, you know, they're more concerned about other things, and you know, and and I guess I can understand it, but they've got they've got budgets that they that they have to get to, and and everything, and. I still can't figure out why they did this because they lost, they're losing a lot of money from non-residents by doing yeah. this. So. Well, yeah. I mean, so I use Hunt and Fool's uh, application system. And the first thing I'm going to do when we get off the phone is be like, hey, uh, can you go ahead and just take Bighorn off of my Wyoming thing? And that's lost revenue for you. And I don't want to do that as a conservationist, but I'm not going to, I'd rather take that money and invest it in something else. Like whether it's uh, a state that's just a complete random draw or whatever, like, um, because I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I was already trending to the point where I might be too old to even do the hunt by the time I drew, but I was willing yeah. to take that risk. Now it's like, well, you know, is it, what's the point? I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, there, there isn't much in 150 bucks a year mm -hmm. when, you know, right now you have, you have no chance to draw. There's, yeah. there's not going to be the way the system's set up. There's not a random sheep tag in the state of Wyoming this year where there used to be a few of them and you always had a chance. I mean, I've had guys draw with two or three points, um, draw sheep tags, and man, they were just, they were elated and we were all kind of excited for them because it kind of, kind of made you believe that, man, it is possible, you know, if mm -hmm. we keep putting in, but well, that's not the case anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the, you know, the elk hunt was awesome and we were an elk every day and Wyoming has a, a wonderful elk herd. Um, nine days there. And although I, I only came to full draw once I had elk within bow range every day. Uh, yeah. so I, my first time hunting there didn't disappoint and my buddy shot a five by five. Uh, so we didn't, we didn't come home empty handed. Um, but you know, now I've got to start building those points back up, yep. but now there's a, and I just heard this and this is why I wanted to get you on. There's rumblings about, uh, having this type of system affect the elk hunter now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's been going on for years. We've, we've got a Senator too, and, and I'm not going to name any names right now, but um, they, they've been pushing this 90, 10 and it's all political is it's all it is. Um, and it's, you know, they're trying to cater to the residents for votes is what it is. And, and even a lot of the residents have woke up now. We, we push this pretty hard that, Hey guys, this is, we can't let this happen. 
because Wyoming's Wyoming's different. It's a little different. We can everybody can come and enjoy Wyoming a little bit. And us as residents, we are really fortunate. You might even classify us as spoiled um, mm. because I can put in for the best tag in the state right now and have a 20, 30% chance to draw elk tag, you know, this year. And if I don't draw it, you know, poor me, I have to go down to the gas station down here and buy a general tag for $57 <laughs> and I can go and hunt 57 units in the state off of that, including my backyard right here. And, you know, I, I get to hunt the month of September archery. I get to hunt October. I mean, I got, I got hunts. I can go start hunting with a rifle September 20th yeah. in, in Wyoming. And then I can hunt. Heck, we still got cow tags that are good for the next couple of days till the end of January here. You know, oh. I mean, we got, we got a five month season, uh, you know, here and it's, um, so yeah, we got nothing to really complain about and, and it's really good hunting. So that's uh, unlike New Mexico, where the residents are always bitching because it is more of a random draw, not point based. Uh, and and New Mexico residents can't just go and buy an elk tag at the gas station. Yeah. Um, and, and I've drawn four elk tags there in eight years. Yep. And people are like what? I, residents are like I can't even get a damn elk tag. So they're yeah. bitter about it. You. Yep. It sounds like you guys have nothing to be bitter about. Yep. And yet you're pushing this legislation that at the end of the day, and why we're having this conversation is, you're going to lose revenue. Yeah. Which what is the what is the biggest funding component of Wyoming game and fish? Oh, it's non-resident. It's still a non-resident tax by far. I think it was uh -huh. like 78% of the the revenue this year was from non-resident tag sales. Yeah. So you're going to lose a lot of that revenue because uh, you know, people are going to figure out, well, my odds now are crap in Wyoming. Place that I've a lot of people have hunted multiple times and be like, well, I'm going to go to, I'm going to look for another option, whether that's to go to Montana more frequently, because I could get a tag there every other year or whatever it is. Yep. They're not going to throw money away. Yep. So the, the good thing about it, and, and here's what I believe is going to happen. And I, nothing's certain, but yeah. especially when you're talking politics is the, the outcutting in Wyoming for non-residents is going to get better. There's going to be more opportunity. So the good things that have happened is the cap has been lifted. For years in Wyoming, there was a 7,250 cap for non-resident tax. Mm. They couldn't sell more than that. Um, they've always got around it a little bit on the secondary draws and things like that. There's always been a few more sold, but they couldn't sell more than that. That got lifted this year, and they did not put a cap on it. So with the tags, the tags for elk in Wyoming are, are supposed to be an 84-16 split, 84 residents, 16 non-residents. Um, that's going to stay. We're not going to 90-10. Mm -hmm. I'm 95% sure we will not go to 90-10 for elk, deer, and antelope because the state has figured out they cannot afford to do it. Um, it's too big of a loss. I mean, it's we're talking, you know, well over $10 million a year loss. Yeah. Um, so they just, they just can't do it. Um, they can't make that revenue up anywhere. I mean, they raised the tag prices for residents a few years ago for by $2.00. And you should have heard the belly aching and crying about that. <laughs> no, I was like, I mean, it was almost embarrassing at some of these meetings to watch grown men complain about having to pay two more dollars for a deer and elk tag. Right. And stuff. So, I mean, that's not, I just don't see it happening in the 90-10 for deer, elk, and antelope. I uh -huh. think by giving up the big five, it was kind of the sacrifice that they kind of made to keep the 80-20 keep the for deer and antelope and the 84-16 for elk. Okay. Um, 
I predict, and this is just my prediction from being at all these meetings. They, but they still have to make up that revenue they're losing from the big five. Yes, Somehow. they do. But by lifting that cap is going to help because right. they can introduce, they can get more tags in. So where's the catch? Well, there's always a catch, you know. So you're going to have more people out there hunting. Um, one thing they're going to do that we've pushed for for years is the general tag. So right now, if you get the general tag like you had, mm-hmm. where you can hunt, you know, 57 right now you can hunt 57 units in the state if you get that general and they're gonna they're gonna break that up they're gonna regionize it like the deer are right now their proposal is to break it up into 11 regions and by doing that they're going to be able to put a few more tags here and there on the areas that are over objective um, which i'm completely all for if they do it right mm-hmm. uh, we're trying to get them to rewrite to redraw the maps a little bit we you know, a lot of us aren't completely happy with how they drew some of the areas out, but um, I like the idea of it because then they can manage a little bit better and maybe distribute the pressure a little bit better, which would make, especially for non-residents, would make the hunting a little better in some of those areas. So, mm-hmm. But um, the catch financially is uh, the elk tag is going to have to be more expensive. Well, yeah, that's that's been presented. So, mm-hmm. you know. Well, they have to make up the money. So, like. Yeah. Yep. It's already $700 plus the five preference points. You know I mean? That's a thousand dollar investment. So it's pretty consistent. Every, every Western state, you know, you're, you're, once you finally get your tag after you've drawn up, regardless, whether it's, uh, you know, random or you've put in for 10 years, the tags are usually between six and $700, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Like if you tell me, well, now your elk tags $1,100. Well, that's significant to a lot of folks. Yeah. Yeah. So Wyoming's got a special system for that too. And they put it in for outfitters years ago. So they've got for deer, elk, and antelope, they have your regular price tag, which is like for elk is your 707. And then they have a special that they put in. And I, I hated the system ever since I was old enough to understand it. Um, it's to me, it's about as un-American as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, if you pay a little extra, you get a better chance and stuff. And that tag right now is, I believe it's like 1265. Um, and they're talking about increasing that because when it originally started, they wanted to go 40% of the tags for non-residents went into that special 60% went into the regular, the cheaper one. So their idea was to, if you paid a little more, you had a better chance to draw and you could draw sooner. And a lot of that were guys that were going with outfitted hunts. It was kind of a Wyoga, you know, the one guide and outfitters association kind of, kind of pushed that, mm-hmm. um, now they're talking about increasing it again. And they just had a bill go into the Senate um, where that increased significantly. I mean, it went up, that elk tag is going to go up to $1,965 in the special. Oh, wow. And the, the deer and antelope are going to go to $1,215. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm paying $1,215 for an antelope tag. Uh, uh, nope. And so with that being said, Shoot, you could go on a guided antelope hunt for $3,000 in Texas. Like, yep. Yeah, you bet. So, you know, we, we fought it pretty hard when that started being presented in the meetings and they really didn't want to hear any of it. And they're like, Oh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put it through. We'll leave the regular price the way it is because we want this spacing again, you know, where it takes, say it takes you five points to draw like you did your elk tag. And, you know, they want, they want that special tag where you can draw it with three points or two points. Mm-hmm. If you pay extra money, you get a hunt more often type of a deal is what they're trying to get to. The good news is, and it made me really happy because I didn't think it was going to happen. The Senate voted it down. Mm. 
And that, that, that bill, it was, it's house bill or Senate bill, sorry, um, 60, if anybody wants to go look at it. And, and it was, it was voted down and so pretty significantly. It came out of committee. They looked at it, they voted on it. They voted it down. Um, so unless they can get it reintroduced into the house and get it through, that is not going to, that is not going to get passed this year. So, mm-hmm. which was pretty surprising to a lot of us, but me for one, it made me pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just wonder where the, where's the tipping point and it's, it's not unique to Wyoming. You know, it's every Western state relies on non-resident tags, Colorado. I think uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but I think it was $78 million they generated off of non-resident tag sales last year. Well, where do you, where do you recoup that money if you keep sticking it to the non-residents and, 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 and most of the states are New Mexico did the same thing last year. Uh, they're, they're, they were pushing for, uh, a 90 10 on their bighorn tags like okay um great but are people still going to apply at the rate that they were no they're not yeah and if you keep increasing these things eventually you're going to price people out not the guy who's the guy who's willing to pay two thousand dollars for a tag to get to hunt every other year you know that kind of money whatever but just the average dude that's like trying to find out his next diy backcountry hunt yep. plan that out and it takes years to plan these things out. It does. Uh, well, it takes years to get a tag anymore. You know, when, well, that's when, the planning process. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, my dad was outfitting in this country, you know, we, um, and guiding, you know, the same guys came every year when I was a kid, man, they were all like uncles to me, you know, mm-hmm. the, the same guys. Cause they could drive every year. They all had elk tags, deer tags. And back then Wyoming gave you a, a bear tag with your elk tag. And, and those guys all came out here every year. And if we, if there was a new guy or two showed up, that was a big deal in those mm-hmm. days. Right. Uh, well, let's take a break here. We'll come back and, you know, times have changed. So how do we as applicants combat those changes and take advantage of Western hunting opportunity? Plus, how are predators potentially affecting uh, available tags? That segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. Check out the 600-pound stand and fill if you haven't already. No more backing the truck up. No more carrying a ladder around. You just stand there, fill a damn feeder. It's that easy. You can find their entire lineup of feeders and blinds at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back on the Love Star Outdoor Show. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use e-forms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Did you know that Orvis has been family-owned since its inception in 1856? Think about that. Uh, They also donate 5% back to protecting nature, Orvis and his customers have raised and donated more than $20 million to protecting nature over the past 25 years. They continue to grow a community of outdoorsmen and women with classes focused on everything from fly fishing to wing shooting and hunting dog handling from basics all the way to advanced. And don't forget about their unique fly fishing and wing shooting trips all over the world. Orvis, proudly American-made fly fishing gear since 1856. It's that time of the year where you might want to try to kick off a new year with a fitness journey. Cryo and More has all your holistic healing needs with cold therapy, heat therapy, and pressure therapy, which shortcuts the time you have to spend recovering from your workout or minimize the muscle soreness you feel from physical activity. 
Cryo Skin is a body hack that speeds up the death cycle of the fat cells using non-invasive technology that uses heat and cold to eliminate fat cells. Your greatest wealth is your health. Visit cryoandmore.com or head over to the location off Virginia Parkway. cold and the sunshine hot as hell but now it feels like a blur now i can't that's the latest from ponds and kings bringing us back on sci's lone star outdoor show presented by mossberg firearms i'm cable smith thanks for being here today we're still visiting with hunting fools logan hedges talking all things western big game applications before we get back into that though this segment Brought to you by Trigger Time Kennels. That's where I got little JoJo out of Bonham, Texas. And our good friends over at Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Okay, uh, well, Logan, thanks for sticking around through the break. As far as non-residents hunting out west, it seems like it's just getting tougher and tougher as states like Wyoming are starting to put more of an emphasis on residents over us foreigners which that's great for you guys, but you know, somebody has to foot the bill here and it's just not all adding up. Times have changed and you got to be pretty creative about how you do things. Um, and, and kind of know how the systems work, but you know, for the non-resident, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. It's, it's not getting any easier. It's getting tougher out there. I mean, yeah, the, the over the counter tags in Idaho are the perfect example there to go on sale December 1st. You know, we used to be able to go and get those, um, Heck, during the season, I could go buy a second tag. I'd kill an elk with my bow. I could run into town there in Idaho and, and buy another one. There were still some left over, you know, years ago. And well, now there's you can't even get one first come, first serve over the counter anymore unless you're really extremely lucky. You know, so just- why is that? that? That brings up the question, is it because of how, let's just say, hunting celebrity, like maybe Meat Eater, they've you know, romanticize the Western big game hunt. Are more people applying or herds yeah, decreasing? Are, like what is, what is the catch there? Why you is know, there's a lot more people. And even since COVID, mm-hmm. you know, COVID woke a lot of people up. There's a lot of guys came back to the outdoors and, and the hunting, you know, after COVID or during COVID even, you know, we, I remember when that first started, you know, which wasn't that long ago, um, the whole COVID scare and we, everybody was locked down and that we had these zoom meetings and, we're like, man, what are we going to do? You know, we're going to have to really cut down budgets and things are going to get tough. Man, it blew up. Right. Everybody was at home and, and boy, we got calls, man. I want to go hunting. I want to go fishing. I had, I mean, the bear hunting out here, I could have taken that spring. I could have taken 50 bear hunters because nobody mm. was doing anything. Anyways, guys were like, man, I just want to go, go do something. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that triggered things, but you know, companies like Hunting Fool. I mean, we're our own worst enemy at times. You know, we get all this information out and help people understand how things work and what's available. Um, you know, what they had over 60,000 guys online for those Idaho tags on December 1st. Are you and, serious? Yeah, it was. Oh, a, my God. Just kept shutting the system down. I mean, it was a it was a joke. I got a tag for my my youngest boy, an archery tag that we wanted, but we didn't even get it till like 1.30 in the, in the afternoon. It started at 10 that morning um because the system just kept crashing i had people texting me and calling me what's going on i'm like you guys know as much as i do the system shut down so yeah, yeah. that what but like i have a, a buddy that lives in idaho and he told me like you alluded to about covid 
that really changed with COVID on those on the over the counter tags in Idaho. Like yeah. I guess the cat got out of the bag there, and oh, now yeah. you said sixty thousand people. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's crazy. I mean, the numbers go up and up and up every year. You know, for but yeah, we're supposed to be losing hunters. Yeah, you know, I just, I just, that's, that's that's just a lie, is what it is. So you know, yeah. opportunities in a lot of places have gone down. The mule deer, back to the mule deer, for example. You know, opportunity for mule deer and just number of tags is has significantly you know decreased and and stuff. So it's made it harder. But but elk has actually gone up in the mm-hmm. West. There's more elk right now than there probably ever has been. So well, know, yeah. Uh, but then we have idiots you know, like the general population of Colorado voting to reintroduce wolves from, from their desks in Boulder and Denver. Yeah. Like they're never going to see a wolf, but they've just dumped that issue into the laps of all of the rural residents of Colorado, all the entire hunting community, the vehicle that funds conservation, which is license sales, which we've already talked about. Well, now you're going to put a huge dent in hunting opportunity by decreasing your elk herd. Yeah. yeah yeah uh... yeah. no it's it's something i mean we've dealt with wolves since i was in high school when they introduced them up in this country and in yellowstone and hell i guess colorado at least they got a vote we didn't get to vote up here we just got down our throat well i think they know which way that vote would have gone in Wyoming. yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, they never gave us an opportunity up here so um but yeah i mean it's the wolves have definitely taken their toll and i'm Mm -hmm. not i'm not a wolf fan by any means um and you know one of them probably doesn't want to get in front of me but um you know there's the the hunting for elk right now in the state of wyoming is better than i've ever seen it mm-hmm. uh, you know in, in a lot of these places you know the yellowstone may be the exception up there but it was it's really good in the rest of the state right now i mean our desert units for example there didn't hardly used to be any elk out in those units you know out around the casper area rollins area all those out there and man, that country's thriving. You can't hardly drive out through there and not see some elk, mm. you know, anymore. So they've just adjusted and and they, maybe they're in a little different places now. And the state has done a pretty good job of managing some of those areas. I will tip mm. my hat. I don't give them credit very often, but I will give them credit for that. So as Western states continue to stick it to guys like me with the, you know, how they change the, the drawing uh, process, and, and, and I don't have a lot of room to bitch because I only have five points for moose and, and sheep and mountain goat, but the guys that have 20, 25 points, I feel terrible for them. Like a lifelong dream that they've been building for. Maybe it's, it's going away. I don't know where the rubber meets the road on this issue because they have to have the funding, but I feel like you're starting to alienate your biggest resource base. Yeah. Yeah. And it's well, not specific to Wyoming. It's, it's, Oh well, yeah, absolutely. So what it was, so I guess where I was going with that is they, the, the residents bitched about $2. Like what if they just said, well, Hey, we're raising the residence tags to 150 bucks. Yeah. Well, see, and, and what we presented and, and hopefully, you know, after the Senate shot this bill down, this price increase, like they did, you know, we, we talked to them about, about, Hey, across the board, you know, nobody can complain if everybody has to pay a little more. And that don't, don't make these big significant jumps. Um, but, um, you know, across the board residents, you know, non-residents make us all pay a little bit more. Um, everything's more expensive. Hell, every time I go fuel my truck up. Oh yeah. So, Thanks Biden. Yeah. Yep. Amen. But, you know, 
the biggest thing that I would tell people is to stay informed, you know, stay involved. We're, you know, everybody will bitch about stuff and this and that, but if you're not commenting, you know, get on Wyoming Game of Fish's website and, and get where you can comment on that and, and raise hell with them a little bit. That Wyoming Wildlife Task Force, um, when that, when that first came out, you know, they, they put that together, gosh, 18 months ago. I went to those first couple of meetings and, and I was really excited. And, and I'll tell you guys the story quick is maybe I'm still a little naive, but after those first couple of meetings and talking to those guys, I was like, man, this is awesome. We're going to, we're going to make some good changes and stuff. And I was talking to some buddies and, and, and my dad had just passed away a few months before that. And, and I was talking to a good friend of his that, um, about it. And he just sat there and smiled as I was telling him all about this stuff. And, and I said, what? And, and he goes, he goes, I like your enthusiasm. And I'm glad you're excited about it. He goes, it's just the same bullshit, just new people doing it. So, <laughs> and I said, I, I think you're wrong this time. And he goes, I'll bet you, a, I'll bet you a bottle of whiskey. Mm. You're on. A few months ago, be, even before the task force was completely done, I bought him two bottles of whiskey. That's how. <laughs> um, and uh. you know, it was just, you get politics involved in all this and, and everybody has their personal agenda. And I figured that out over the last 16 months that they got nothing done and they did nothing to benefit wildlife. Um, mm. That's where the 90-10 came from. That was the first thing they passed was the 90-10 on the big five. And, and we never really got to discuss that. And it was just through the legislature, ran it through, voted on it. And it was it was like a blink of an eye, man. All of a sudden it was there. Mm. So that's that's one thing I didn't like about that. Public never really got to comment on that and everything. So whether it's sometimes the right these thing. wildlife officials forget who pays their salary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, there, there's some still some good things, you know, people stay, stay involved, stay informed, um, on what's actually going on. Cause like you and I are doing this podcast right now, and I've done a couple more of these on all this. There was some bad misinformation put out by some influencers mm-hmm. this year. And I've taken a hundreds and hundreds of phone calls here at hunting pool because of it. Everybody wanting to burn their points in um in Wyoming this year. Man, it's your time to burn your points. They're gonna they're gonna increase the price of your tags. They're taking a bunch of your tags away. You know, as of right now, none of that's happening. You know, it, that was you know, is it gonna happen? Maybe, um, mm-hmm. but right now it's it's not happening. And there's more opportunity f- to hunt elk in Wyoming for non-residents than there ever has been. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so you know, stay, stay involved, stay informed and, and, and come home. No doubt. It's not all doom and gloom. And one species that I think it's overlooked a lot of times from Western big game hunters is, is a pronghorn. That's not a, a hard tag to pull in Wyoming. We'll discuss that next. And maybe a, a couple quick hits from around the outdoor community. That segment brought to you by Vortex Optics. And now's the time to register to enter their $5,500 prize pack sweepstakes. There's going to be one winner. And that person's going to go on one hell of a shopping spree. $5,000 in optics, $500 in apparel. And the winner gets to choose it all, whatever they want from Vortex. Uh, So to enter, it's very simple. All you need to do is go to, let's see here, join.vtxnation.com. It's basically you're signing up for their newsletter, which why wouldn't you want that anyway? And in the process, you are entered into the $5,500 grand prize sweepstakes okay uh we'll be right back on the one star and one was telling you that i'd be
telling time had come. I should have said I didn't care. It's time to tell you about Protect products. Veteran-owned and made in the USA, Protect makes your water work harder for you in the field. They have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment. It's perfect for elk hunting, right? Uh, Energy formula for when you need an extra kick. Immunity for optimizing the immune system. And one of my favorites, the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery. All the formulas are liquid, so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback. And the cool thing is, They don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, head over to protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T, dot com. So they like you, jeweler. They like you, will. Pour me some water. All right, Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Thanks for being here today. We're wrapping things up with Hunting Fools Logan Hedges. Um, before we get back into that conversation, though, this segment brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants and Black Rifle Coffee, America's Coffee Company, veteran-owned and operated. Uh, they've got all of the, the they've got the brew for you. Not only that, but all of that unapologetic, patriotic swag you can find over at BlackRifleCoffee.com as well. Check it out. Okay, uh, well, Logan, we've talked about, you know, what's changing, why some of these western states, like your home state of Wyoming, are, well, pretty much trying to stick it to non-residents like me. And, you know, I'm not butthurt about it, uh, but I don't think it's sustainable. Like, you can't just keep jacking the price up. Uh, An elk tag's already $700, plus... You've applied for, like we talked about, five years, in my case, that you're in for a grand. And uh, I think folks are going to start looking for outfitted hunts because at the end of the day, it's going to be pretty comparable in cost. Maybe that's the future. I I hope not. Um, But, you know, one thing that is still relatively easy to get a tag for and not as expensive are uh, pronghorn. I think, like, you could probably draw in Wyoming with two points, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, we've, you know, it's not what as good as it once was or as, or as much opportunity as there once was between a bad storm we had a few years ago on the eastern side of the state, um, killed quite a few antelope and they had to cut tags back, um, drought conditions, um, poor management, you know, in mm-hmm. some of those areas that they, they over harvested, um, but there's still some great opportunity. Wyoming's got a lot, lots and lots of antelope. How many, so can you draw with two points? Yeah. Oh yeah. You can draw some units with two points. The there's always a catch with mm-hmm. anything like that. You know, those units are almost, you know, almost a hundred percent private ground. So you're mm-hmm. going to have access, whether it's from somebody, you know, or through, through game and fish in one of the walking areas or something like that. So, right on. Right yeah. On. Well, I enjoyed my experience, uh, chasing bugles in Wyoming for the first time. And, uh, we'll start building those points back up. And especially since you mentioned, you know, that it's still going to be uh, 84, 16 on that front. Yeah. Um, you know, that's encouraging. 
And then if you're if you're very wealthy, hey, there's that other thing you could do too, which you hate, but hey, <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. You, you want to hunt more often? You can pay more money. It's the American yeah, way. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Um, we'll try you said it's anti-American. I'm like, no, that's the American way. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess so. Yeah, unfortunately, well, America. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So. Yep, but no, that's the know. it seems like that's the world we live in, right? Though, uh, whether yeah, it doesn't make it right, but yep. Know. If you want to briefly just tell us what Hunting Fool does for for guys like me that live in Texas and are trying to apply in all these western states, and, and I miss draws and and look back in the rearview mirror at all the wasted opportunities that I've had over the years, but you guys have simplified that. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have. You know, just like I said before, one of the biggest things that we're trying to do now is keep everybody informed and. And, you know, we kick out our, we kick out our magazine every month, which is what I'm going to be when we're done with this, I'm going to be working on the, the March magazine, the Colorado part of it. Um, you know, I'm trying to break down all the changes, everything there. We break down draw odds for, for everyone. Um, and just, just how you can get out there and, and go hunting. Um, we got an awesome license application service, which you use. Um, heck I use it. I, I work here and, and I just let the gals in there take care of all my license apps for me. I fill out my paperwork form, send it in, just be like, hey, this is what I want to apply for. That way I don't miss any deadlines. Right. I'm here doing this all the time and I still almost miss deadlines Um, just because time, you know, time flies by, you know, between work and family and and everything we're involved in. Or Um, or just say you're applying in 10 states. That's every deadline is different. And well, some of them within each state is a different for what species you want to apply for. Absolutely. They're all different. And, you know, like Wyoming's elk is here the end of January and, and then, you know, moose, moose sheep, bison and, and bighorn or bighorns and um, mountain goat. They're um, they used to be February 28th. Now this year they change them to April 17th. Mm. I mean, just, just little things like that. You know, they're always messing with it. And um, how many points do you need to build up? And, and, you know, my, my strategy on that is have as many points as possible. Anybody mm-hmm. says, well, maybe I'll wait and start building points in a few years. No, don't. You know, if you are serious and you want to go hunting, build points as soon as you can. You know, mm-hmm. get some points because it doesn't matter if you have five and you only needed three or three and a half like you did last year, for example. At least you knew you were going. And so yeah. when the time was there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, stay you know, everybody needs to stay. And this is a really good way to stay, stay involved and stay informed on, on what's going on. Cause boy, it's changing everywhere right now. You know, all these States, Wyoming, Montana, Colorado's making some big changes and looks like by 2024, they're going to make some really big changes mm-hmm. from the sounds of the meetings that I've been involved in. Now I'm on the non-residents. That's another state that's going to poke the non-residents in the ribs. Um, it's going to hurt them because they, yep. they're so like $78 million is a lot of money. And like I said, I think just off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure that's the revenue they generated in 2021. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you're poking the bear that's that's yep. feeding, you know, you're, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out for them. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. And Colorado is a place like I go hunt Colorado every year. And I mean, I've gotten a tag there probably for the last 10 years, whether it be, you know, drawn it, um, secondary draw, turn back tags, landowner tags. There's a lot of opportunity there. And when they start taking that away from us, it's just going to get tougher and tougher. And pretty soon it's like some of these other states, I've, I'm going to draw one time and I'll never apply again because it just takes too long. Yeah. To yeah. So, yeah. Well, Logan, I appreciate the time, my friend. Hey, you bet. It was great to talk with you. Likewise. Thank you so much. All right. Take care.
So there he goes, hunting fools, Logan Hedges. Uh, interesting stuff there. And yeah, as soon as the show's over, I'm I'm going to be uh, canceling my apps for moose and bighorn, certainly in Wyoming. Um, and that sucks. That's a waste of money. I look back at the money I've wasted, but silver lining, uh, at least that money, those those preference points that I've bought previously, uh, at least that's going back to fund conservation. So not a total loss there. Let's see, a couple uh, notes here from around the outdoor space. Um, did y'all hear about the dude that caught the two 14-plus pound largemouth bass out of OHIV on December 30th? Yeah, Dalton Smith is, the, I don't think I've ever heard of a day like this. You, you think about, you know, Texas Parks and Wildlife, 13 pounds, that's the holy grail, gets you in their share liquor program. Uh, to catch two 14-pounders on the same day, in the same spot, with the same bait, Unbelievable. Uh, and he drove all the way from Louisville, Kentucky, all night long with his buddy just to fish on OHIV. It is, it's insane on that lake right now, uh, turning out big fish. But uh, Dalton will be on the show, I think, next week. Uh, so we will hear all about that day as far as one that's going to, uh, it's going down in the annals of bass fishing lore for sure. And then uh, a couple clowns from also in the outdoor space uh bomars sentenced in largest poaching case in nebraska history and i don't know if y'all know who josh and sarah bomar are and i don't know them personally they might be great people don't know don't care but when celebrities are charged with poaching and are sentenced uh it's a bad look for all of us and that's what happened um they were charged with all kinds of poaching violations they pled that down to conspiracy to violate the Lacey Act. By the way, when you plea something down, that doesn't mean that you're not guilty. It just means that you have agreed to accept lesser charges uh, in order to avoid, you know, going to public trial. That's what that means. So anyway, I'm not here to beat up on the Bomars. I could care less, but the dude is just, man, he accepts no responsibility. He still doesn't think he did anything wrong. But let me tell you, if you didn't do anything wrong, then uh, you wouldn't have $133,000 in fines and restitution that you have to pay to the feds and the state of Nebraska, where you also lost your hunting rights for three years. That's both of them did. And all of this, again, part of the largest poaching ring in Nebraska history. Uh, actually, the outfitter they hunted with will serve 30 months in federal prison and pay $200,000 in restitution and accept a 15-year hunting ban. So uh, anyway, that <laughs> that's the latest. Uh, Josh Bomar also is being sued by his neighbor because when he, you might have seen the video where he burned his truck down for likes, like literally was doing a controlled burn with the wind howling, and he burned up his truck, like a brand-new pickup. And I kind of laughed about it, thought it was funny. Well, his neighbors didn't think it was funny because the fire spread to their property and burned down their hunting cabin. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe those tight T-shirts are cutting off the circulation to his brain, but uh, not a good look for any of us. And 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 I say this because these people have like millions of followers, and uh, I I hate it when this happens when a celebrity hunter gets popped because it makes us all look bad to non-hunters. It makes us because they don't they don't differentiate. They're like, oh, hunters are poachers. Well, we know that's not the case, but. Uh, Anyway, that's the latest from the old outdoor news desk here. Uh, that segment was brought to you by 
Rustic Reminders, Taxidermy, and John X Safaris. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Logan. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. She's a good